Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and we continue on our birth stories for the summer series. This week, Natasha Gray shares her lovely home birth story, noting how an ultimatum from her midwife had her running for the stairs and right into transition. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video, which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Dr. Lissy Sobel, a prenatal and pediatric chiropractor in Boston who loves to support women and their children with gentle, holistic techniques. Learn more at yourbostonchiropractor.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. Thank you, as always, for listening and also for all the love you give the show through your ratings and reviews on iTunes and just by telling all your pregnant friends about the podcast. Keep on doing that. Also, a big thank you today to Dr. Lizzie Sobel, who got to be one of the sponsors of this episode by supporting the podcast at patreon.com slash birthful. Dr. Lizzie loves to support women and their children in the perinatal year and beyond, and she tells me that listening to the podcast has added much depth to her work as a prenatal and pediatric chiropractor. How cool is that? All right, Mighty Ones, if you've been listening for the past few weeks, you've been hearing how I've been putting the final touches on my birth partner's ultimate labor support toolkit. Well, it is done. Please do a quick happy dance with me. (laughs) If you've been anxiously waiting for its release, your wait is over. Go to birthfall.com slash toolkit to get your copy. Just to recap what I'm talking about... In this toolkit, I've taken all the fabulous things I've learned over nine years working side-by-side with birth partners and made them into a super accessible and straightforward resource that's going to guide your birth partner so that they can give you truly helpful support while feeling confident and being an active part of the process and also supporting you in a way that is actually helpful to you during your birth. If you got in on the early bird on the I always say early birth. It's the early bird list. Check your email for a special discount code. If you don't have it, check your spam folder and whitelist Adriana at birthful.com. And if you didn't get in on the early bird list, do not fret. Go to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash birthful and leave a message on the post about the toolkit launch telling me why you want this birth partner's ultimate labor support toolkit in your life. I promise to private message a discount code to everyone who does, but I will do that only until August 7th. So do not wait. Oh, and while you're there, make sure you like my Facebook page. Okay, I cannot wait for you to have this. My husband was one of my proofreaders, and at one point he turned around and said to me, Why wasn't this around when you gave birth? After reading this, I feel like I was useless to you. I mean, we took the classes and all, but this would have made things so much better. Um, yes. I am super confident that both you and your birth partner will love this. So go get it at birthful.com slash toolkit. 
All right. So now on with the show. I am so excited to have Natasha Gray here to tell us her birth story. And it turns out that Natasha is an old hand at this podcast thing. She's got a podcast of her own. It's called <laughs> Conscious Living Podcast. And I'm excited to check it out. And from what she's been telling me and what she does, it seems that it matches a lot of my philosophy. So, you know, you guys out there go check it out as well. Um, Natasha, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yay. So I wanted to, you. It, it, usually when people contacted me about their, to share their stories, they, there's something that they pinpoint sort of like, well, the first, you know, I've had two births. One was this and one was that, or I have a VBAC or, but you didn't qualify your birth at all which was very interesting to me interesting to me you just wanted to share it because it was a good birth story and you wanted to get that out so that people hear better good better birth stories and become more empowered and more you know less scared and fearful of the process so i i'm very curious to hear what this was i think though i'm going to start by asking you before you had your your child, and and you can tell us about him. I know it's a boy. <laughs> you can tell us a little bit about him and share with the listeners. But um, when you were approaching this birth, what was going through your mind, and what were your wishes? So, before going into kind of that story of you know becoming pregnant and then having our son Sullivan. Uh, who is going to be three in August, by the way, time goes by so fast. You guys just enjoy this, you know, each and every moment, you know, not that every moment is completely as pleasurable as we'd like it to be, but it's all the process and, and that's a beautiful thing. But I think um, it's nice to kind of to have listeners here that I wasn't always thinking about birth and delivery and um, pregnancy in the way that I actually had him. So backing up to, you know, teen years and, and even in my 20s, I had my little guy when I was 34. I didn't really think much about it. I just watched, you know, Hollywood films, which was, you know, have babies in uh, the hospital and, you know, it's excruciating pain and you're going to curse and swear and you're going to, you know, not have a good time at all. And so I honestly thought that that was just how it was supposed to be and how it always unfolded. And then it wasn't until probably in my early 30s and um, after I married my husband where I really started to connect with a different part of of who I was and what I was actually capable of and and exploring and challenging um, what was being told to me. And because there was something inside me that just didn't feel right especially with the whole birthing experience and the whole pregnancy experience, you know, having all this pain and agony being pregnant. And anyways, I decided that I would explore alternatives. And so when I started diving into what other women were doing, I started opening, you know, tons of doors to other ways of, of being, um, a woman essentially and having this fantastic body that was literally designed for giving birth. And 
once I opened my eyes to that, there was no going back. I, I was determined that that was the experience I wanted. There was something that just lit up inside me and I had to go after that. So when my husband and I finally ended up getting pregnant, I immersed myself in books that would only feed my mind um, beautiful stories of pregnancy as well as birthing. And I was very, very aware and conscious of not allowing fearful thoughts and fearful stories um, consume my mind because it's easy to go down that route. Everyone, as I'm sure yourself included and probably other of the listeners out there, everyone wants to tell you their birthing story whenever they're pregnant, in, or sorry, whenever um, you're pregnant. And most of the time, those stories aren't that empowering and, and are actually um, fear-based. And so I was very conscious to, you know, kind of stop people in their tracks and say, you know, is this story something that's going to make me feel good about having this child or not? And if they said, you know, normally they would laugh and they'd be like, okay, no, you're right. I won't tell you. (laughs) Um, And this honest story, this happened all the time. Um, I was a child and family therapist while I was pregnant. And so obviously working with children, most of my clients wanted to tell me their birthing story too. And of course I would have to, you know, let them know that as long as it was a good one, a good story, then I would be open to hear it. But you see that that's a great tip for any mamas out there who are pregnant of how to gently, but firmly make sure they don't get these awful stories into their, you know, because as you see, we in our culture, we already have that background of scary, dramatic, fear-based stories, and we've been seeing and, and hearing those and, and reading about those since we were teeny tiny. So that's a lot of unconscious thought that we need to balance out with good ones. Exactly. And I love how you acknowledge that it's unconscious, right? So a lot of the time we don't even realize this is the conditioning we are receiving of this process. And so once you start kind of waking up to, oh my goodness, just because, you know, my mom and my aunt, my grandma, you know, they have all these stories of their birthing experience, that does not necessarily equate to the fact that I'm going to have the same experience. Um, and so once you kind of wake up to this process and this conditioning, then you open yourself up to um, alternatives and different ways of, of being, essentially. So... Um, when I was putting these boundaries up and they were, you know, humorous boundaries, I, like you were saying, I wasn't doing it in a mean way at all. I was literally doing it in a joking way, but people understood, they got it, they knew. And I think that if we can start doing that, then it it really empowers, you start getting empowered for yourself, but it also empowers other people um, to do the same. So whenever I was doing this, of course, there would be some people who, you know, family members included, would be, oh, you know, Natasha, what is she doing? You know, going against the grain again. Um, but there's something to be said about kind of really listening to yourself. And when you know something just feels right, moving in that direction rather than just moving in the direction of what others um, think you should or shouldn't be doing even though you go against your own values. So 
it was it was not necessarily easy, but I knew it was the right thing to do. So I don't really know kind of to go further into you know the birth of or you know the planning of the birth I just immerse my mind with with good stories good videos and that was hard to come by actually is finding good birthing videos my husband and I knew we wanted to have a home birth and I found uh, some of them were pretty traumatic and I probably shouldn't have watched them but I didn't realize they were going to be the way they were until like too late but um while my husband and I were um well while I was in labor we he was recording me every now and then because we wanted to create a video that could go viral in hopes to empower women to show them that it doesn't have to be a traumatic experience that it can actually be a beautiful experience so it was I guess the video especially came from a place of this didn't exist when I was searching and there's got to be other women out there who are searching for a similar thing. Mm-hmm. I can't be the only one. And we'll definitely put the link for that video on the show notes so that Okay, perfect. And if you have any other good births links that you remember. <laughs> yeah, there I do have some uh books that I could definitely cool. send your way. Yeah, that ha- helped me for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the books, and I don't know if you got to read this one, but it's my number one go-to book is obviously Ina May's guide to childbirth that has the first half is all great solid you know birth stories and they're not easy because it's labor it's not vacation but Mm -hmm. they're they're good stories they're you know solid stories so Mm -hmm. that one I love yeah that one actually is really good Um, there's a few others that I can definitely send your way and hopefully um, the listeners can check them out and they'll serve them in some way yay thank you so you start, so you're prepared, you have read good stories, you have seen good stories, you are focused on being conscious about this, and then the day arrives. How's that go? Mm-hmm. So I should also tell you too, I, I did some hypnobirthing classes. Oh, yay. Yeah, and I did hire a doula because I know that... Um, uh, everybody needs a coach. And I saw my doula as a coach, uh, someone to remind me of who I was and what I was capable of. Um, because it was my first child and I had no idea what to expect. <laughs> so I wanted somebody to be there to remind me, um, of what my wishes were and what I was capable of and what I was experiencing too. Cause I think a lot of the time women just don't know what's happening to their bodies. And so they end up beginning becoming fearful and then constricted and rather than opening and allowing, you know, life to come out of them. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And I hear a lot of doula moms. So women who are doulas that then have babies that know that are familiar with the process, right? And when they're in it, even as a doula, they hear what they're saying and they go and they, there's like a dissociation in their head going, I'm saying this. I can't be that far yet, but, yeah. you know, cause they, so yeah. that of reminding you where you are, that's a great way to put it. Oh my gosh. It was, it was honestly, I would, I would have spent millions <laughs> for my doula. It was worth every single penny because I think, um, in the moment, you know, of, of giving birth, you disassociate with everything. I think, you know, everything is going into this child. And, and I think it's, it's key to have that support there. And I mean, 
you know, our partners are fantastic, but they're biased, right, too. They're emotional and they're involved. This is, you know, part of them as well. And so if you can have kind of um, an objective person to really be there for you and for your partner, then I think that that is just, it's priceless, really. So yeah, we did have a, a doula and we did take hypnobirthing classes. So I practiced that probably about six months pregnant on. Uh, I was, you know, do maybe a, a little mindful state and, and envision the birth uh, that I wanted to have. And so day of delivery, uh, on actually it was, I was, my estimated due date was August 14th and my water broke August 13th at 10:30 PM. And I thought, wow, this, this child is bang on, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it wasn't so much. I had a, but a 20, 26, 27 hour, um, labor. So he actually was born on the 15th, but, uh, so be it. And he, it was a, an amazing process. It was long. Yes, but I was managing it myself. And I think if I was anywhere, like if I was in the hospital or anything, I would have, well, it was 24 hours after my water had broke that I actually, um, my midwife said, okay, I think it's time to, you know, consider moving into the hospital. And at that point, I knew it was going to bring something on. And so I, I, that something was running upstairs. So that's exactly what I did. I took those stairs like it was nobody's job. And as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, I was in transition. And so it's amazing what your body will do. Because for me, it wasn't an option to go to the hospital. Because I knew if I was there, I would be so anxious and so constricted and caught up in the environment that I wouldn't be with myself and my baby. And that's really what I wanted. And, and so I, I just kind of allowed and, and every, um, surge I would have or every contraction I would have, it was, you know, this too shall pass. That was literally my mantra. And it actually is still my mantra to this day. If, you know, my little guy's almost three. So, you know, th during those tantrum moments, I keep saying this too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, and it, and it always does. That is the, the beauty of it. And there's, there's nothing more significant than, you know, bringing life into this world. And if we can get through that, then we can do anything. And I really believe that. And so, taking that birthing experience and using that to get me through tougher situations in everyday life has been so, it's been one of the greatest lessons for me and mm. a teaching that I'll, that I'll probably take to my grave. And I find that that is something that any mom, no matter what birth they have, because they all tend to be challenging in some way because birth takes you to your edge and for everybody it's unique it's uniquely their own and you know even moms have a, some births are too fast and you're thinking how can a birth be too fast but that that is a thing so your birth is going to be what it requires for you and, and trusting that right like yeah. letting go of the expectation of I think there's something to be said about having a vision of how you want things to go and moving towards that and doing everything you can to make that happen. But having a softness to allow what nature is intending to happen and just let that happen. So in my case, I could have easily have gone to the hospital, but I did. I knew I had to do everything I could to have that baby at home, and, and I did. But it could have easily gone the other way too and do be open and flexible to allowing 
what I want to happen, the expectation of what I want to see, um, to maybe just allow something else, something different. So having a little flexibility in the, in that time is definitely important. Absolutely. And before you tell us more about this transition, I love that you ran up the stairs and then things happen. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. But before we do that, we're going to take a little quick break. Did you know that even though most expectant moms plan to breastfeed, the majority aren't really adequately prepared to get off to a good start? That is why world-renowned breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher have created their fabulous quick start video that gives you everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Best of all, it's free. How awesome is that? Through their quick start video, you'll learn a simple technique that prevents nipple pain. You'll also find about the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well as the best way to produce enough milk for your baby. These things will set you well on your way to a blissful breastfeeding relationship. And did I mention that it's free? Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. And we're back. And now, okay, so where before you ran up the stairs... <laughs> Where, what, like, what was going on? It had been 24 hours since your water had released. What was it that was making the midwife say, hmm, maybe we need to go to the hospital? You know, it's interesting you ask that because um, my midwife and I, throughout my pregnancy, I had told her that I did not want to know um, how far I was dilated. And so I never knew my number at all throughout my labor. And I did that with the intention of not creating anxiety for myself because mm -hmm. I didn't want to be at, say, five centimeters and be in pain and think, oh, my gosh, I can't do this any longer. Um, so I just said, you can check me if you want. And I did refuse it a few times, but I, I think I had her check twice she checked throughout the 26 hour period. And, um, I said, I just don't want to know. I, I just don't want to know. Like you can know for yourself, you can put it on your records, but I don't want to know. And thank goodness I didn't, because if I knew I was, I was eight hours in and I was only five centimeters. <laughs> so if I had have known that I wouldn't have continued, I would have said, take me to the hospital. I can't handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, but because I didn't know that for all I knew, I was going to, you know, deliver our son in an hour from then. <laughs> and that's the thing about the vaginal checks. They're just snapshots. They cannot tell you at all how long it's going to, how long it took to get to that point. Yes. Or how long it's going to take for you to have a baby. Like they're just exactly. where you are at the moment. Yeah, exactly. So I just, I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to know. And it was one of the best decisions I've, I've ever made. And I encourage other moms to, you know, empower themselves to, to kind of maybe take that action if they feel so called to do for themselves, because, um, it, when you don't know these things, I mean, even if you did know, it doesn't mean anything really. Right. It doesn't mean anything like what you just described. It's different for every woman. It's different for everybody. So, um, if anything, it's just going to cause you, um, potential anxiety and potential frustration and, you know, among many other emotions. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that I always tell my, my doula clients, 
if it's if it's information that's going to be helpful to you that you want to know for a reason and it's going to be helpful by all means go for it but if it's not going to be helpful to you then do you really want to do it yeah and yeah and then even having them you know question why would it be helpful to them so if they say yes it would be helpful to them how why like get down to the root cause of you know where do they think it's actually going to be helpful for them because a lot of the time people will just think that it is going to be helpful but not even necessarily be conscious of why they or or, or like understand why it's going to be helpful yeah and sometimes you don't even like so here's the thing sometimes it can be really frustrating and then people like get checked and find out and it's something that is disappointing to them and so sometimes that's necessary sometimes you need to have because again mm-hmm. birth taking you to the edge right so sometimes you just need to have that disappointment and reassess and it gets all the feels out it does absolutely absolutely yeah and sometimes that can be what it takes to get your resolve to do something else like maybe run up the run stairs, up the stairs. <laughs> exactly exactly so so but but did he, did she check you at that moment was that what made her suggest going to the hospital or was it something else uh, I I don't I actually don't even know it was around like I said about the 20 25 yeah probably about 25th hour um, she had she didn't check but she just kind of threw that out there not sure I never actually asked her if there was a reason for it or not but um, I just remember thinking that's not an option in my mind that wasn't an option and so Obviously, if there was something, you know, serious going on, it would have been an option, but it wasn't. It was just kind of like a, you know, we, sh- we could, you know, start thinking about maybe moving in the hospital. It's been 24 hours. But in, for me, it was like, no, not not happening. So then I just ran up the stairs and that just threw everything into where it needed to go. And I gave birth to our son 20 minutes after that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it all happened very, very fast, very fast. But it's amazing what the body wants to do and when it wants to do it. Because like I said, I was managing it and I probably managed it a little too long (laughs) because I probably could have put myself maybe in transition a little earlier, um, but I I didn't. Or maybe, you know, it all happened the way it was supposed to happen. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, I I truly believe that. And, um, And so, so it is. Yeah, and if not, you wouldn't have this great, like, I ran up the stairs and made it happen story. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't believe I actually, you know, made that happen, but it was just supposed to happen the way it did, and it and it, and it was beautiful. Well, yes, 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 so, and, it, and, and it's, there's a lot to be said about all that movement that you gave your pelvis and all those, you mm-hmm. know, different angles as you ran up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> that, there was like 15 uh, stairs I think too and I remember I took them like I wasn't you know about to give birth at all I took them like I was running a marathon that's <laughs> awesome there's a doctor in Japan who has um pr- pr- laboring moms do squats squats mm. and squats and squats and squats like during labor um and they do and I, it, I've only had one mom do that and she was det- like same thing like you're talking about she had determination of i need to move and this is what i'm going to do and for her it was squats 
<laughs> makes sense. It does make sense. It's like that bouncing action, right? And I don't know. Yeah. What were those 24 hours before you ran up the stairs like? Oh, it was an August day in Ottawa, Canada. So it was a beautiful, hot day, actually. And uh, we wanted to have only a few selected important people in the space because, again, I was really conscious of the energy that I wanted to bring. So I didn't want any kind of nervousness or anxiety as much as I love my mother to death. I, I didn't want her there because I couldn't imagine, you know, watching my daughter go through that experience necessarily so without being anxious or or you know worried or anything like that so I didn't want that there I told her you know Casey my husband would um, keep her up to date all the time throughout the the labor but I didn't necessarily want any you know anxiety or any nervous energy in the space so we had just um, my husband and our midwife and our doula and it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful we had our own cooked meat home cooked meals and it was like I said it was a gorgeous day outside so we went outside and I labored outside for a while thankfully I had a private backyard so I didn't have to worry about you know not going outside in my nightgown or anything like that it didn't matter um although I probably wouldn't have cared even if if the neighbors were around right uh going over nightgown but uh yeah it was just it was a beautiful day it was now and not to I'm not downplaying labor and um what that looks like for women but what I've always tried to do is highlight the beauty in any given moment even if it is a moment of pain and so I've just chosen to look at what what can I take away from that day that will empower me that will lift me up that will um empower others that will lift others up and so that day while i said you know going through contractions and surge surge <clears throat> excuse me surges i had a mantra and that mantra was this two shall pass and it always did and i had great supports around me to remind me also not just myself but for them to also remind me and I just remembered what my vision was. So having like a vision of what you want to experience is also really important. So six months pregnant, I had envisioned what I wanted the day to look like. And the day I wanted, I wanted to be feel supported and I was supported a hundred percent. And I wanted um, to trust my body and remind myself that my body knows exactly what to do it, it knows exactly what to do with that it was actually designed and created for that very moment in time and grounding myself continuously throughout that day was that was my work that was my job that was what I needed to do that day and it's it's not easy but if you can train your mind to be there, to specifically have things to focus on, it allows you to not have the fears and the anxieties and all the things you don't want to happen bombard your 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 space and bombard your mind. Mm -hmm. So it's really it's really important to figure out what you do want to experience because those anxieties, those fears, those you know thoughts are going to come. That's natural. That's normal. That's why it's also very important to have a default 
that is the vision you want to experience rather than your default being the fear. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. Because if everything's flowing and everything's going great, you know, obviously it is hard and you, you have to get, you, you know, get through it. But if you have something to hold on to, then that, it, like you're saying, it gives your mind a place to go and a place where it can find release and solace rather than, you know, wallowing the fear and, 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 and the what ifs, which can be a really ooh, fast spiraling uh, train of thought. Absolutely. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. The what ifs. Oh, man. <laughs> All of those what ifs, right? And, and they start as soon as we find out we're pregnant. As soon as we find out we're pregnant, you know, the what if set in. And I actually said, what if everything went just as it was supposed to and it was beautiful? Yes. That was my what if. And every time the what if of, you know, what if this goes wrong? Or what if, you know, I, you know, I have to go to the hospital. Then I would quickly bring myself back to what if it all works out just perfect and I don't mean perfect, meaning, you know, perfect. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, exactly not, there's nothing what, perfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly what was supposed to happen in a healthful way. And that was, yeah, exactly what, what I would say, you know, because a lot of people, as soon as you say you're having a home birth, a lot of people say, well, what if something goes wrong? That is the first thing people will say. And I usually came back with, well, what if everything went right. Mm -hmm. And what do you say to that? What if? Because there's, you know, 50-50 chance, right? So I'm going to focus on the 50% chance that um, everything is going to go right. And that's not the natural state the mind wants to go because our brain is designed to pick out danger in our environment. So it, it wants to focus on that. But I'm not going to be eaten by a tiger. I'm going to be okay. You know, I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to choose to focus on what if everything goes right rather than what if everything goes wrong. Yeah. And and that fear mongering, it's interesting because, yeah, our brains do attach to that, the negative. Um, mm -hmm. Even when you're saying, you know, 50-50 chance, actually, no, you have better than 50-50 chance. Yeah, you're right. Everything going yeah. great. Exactly. <laughs> and and whenever you hear statistics of like, well, there's one in seven chance. Well, that's you've got the seven chances that things are going to go right. Yeah. Not the one that's going to go wrong. Absolutely. Um, the problem is, yeah, with babies and, and new life is the stakes are so high. It makes it harder for us to just let go and trust the better statistics. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is, I, I understand that it can be so hard. And, and it's when you get to the other side of it that you have this story that you can share and tell. And I, 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 had I have mentioned this story in the past on, on the podcast of, of my, um, I have permission to tell it. It's my friend Tammy. And she was not intent on having a home birth. But it turned out to be a home birth. Well, you know, because it was so quickly and, and things happened. And when she said, when I was telling people about it, the first question, was, the first, you know, reaction was, oh, thank goodness everything was fine. Mm. You know, you must have yeah. been so scared of that. Whew, it turned out to be a, a, you know, not a hospital birth, but 
thank goodness you were lucky enough that things didn't go wrong. And isn't that so that scares me because we've made giving birth, bringing life into the world, a medical illness that needs treatment or that needs medical attention. And until otherwise founded that a medical intervention needs to happen, why would we even consider it? Well, unless you, you know, but we've created a culture that has set us up to be fearful and untrusting of what we were designed to do. Yeah, exactly. And so we fear it so much. It's, it's, oh, how could we have done it without the help of, you know, the interventions in the hospital and all that. And to her, after having the experience, which she loved, even though that would have never been something she would have chosen, but she Mm -hmm. was so happy with how it turned out. Her... She was really happy to talk to me and say, and and her husband as well is like, yeah, you understand that this was fabulous and fantastic. Everybody else is like scared for us that that happened. And oh my goodness, how, how scary. And meanwhile, we're thinking how beautiful. It's almost like a blessing in disguise because she'll now take her story which wasn't her initial intention. Um, And you never know who that's going to affect. And that, you know, one other woman who was, you know, just found out she was pregnant may hear that and say, huh, maybe, maybe I could do something like that. Maybe I could bring life into the comfort of my own space and trust my own body and, and my own baby. And, and, you know, be in the comfort of my home and my, my surroundings, maybe just maybe I could do that. And that's kind of why I like just talking about this, this, this topic is, you never know who's going to listen, and you never know who is going to um, be impacted by a story that could literally transform their life. This experience, even though it was the just uh, the birth of my son, I take this experience and the power it's given me and use it in my life every single day. And so it's not necessarily just that one snippet of time, but it was lessons that I learned from that experience. And those lessons were um, uh, trust, trust in yourself, trust in your, in your, life's unfolding and let go of any expectation that you have, but be clear of what you want consciously. Right. And it's all about just being aware of why you're making the decisions you're making, especially when you're bringing life into the world. Do you, do you really need um, an intervention if you're healthy and and it's not what you want. And I'm not saying, I'm not speaking to anyone who doesn't want that. You know, say someone wants a home birth, but is so scared to do it. Um, that's the person who I'd say, trust. But if someone wants to be in the hospital, that is completely fine. You know, that that is, as long as they want it. It's the people who don't want it, but feel like they can't do it at home. That's where I would say, Okay, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. 
But if people want to have the experience in a hospital, that is 100% fine too. But it's just getting clear of what kind of experience do you want? And neither one is right and neither one is wrong. It's just do what you want to do. Don't do necessarily what um, the greater culture says you should do. And I think that it's about remembering that it's such a personal, unique journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's a journey that you have to do. You have to show up for it. And regardless of machines and interventions or none or what the environment or who's there for you, at the end, the person doing the work is you. So mm-hmm. focusing on 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 what you were saying on having a, something you know a vision of what you want to happen and and also the have some introspection where you see what's making you afraid and try not to be afraid because fear creates the pen- uh, tension tension creates pain like it, do look at the good stories and if you can get onto the side of trusting birth instead of being afraid of it. I think that that, regardless of where you're giving birth, goes towards, you know, will make your experience so much better. Because unfortunately, we've got to try to unload all this cultural baggage that we've placed on birth, which, however we got here, that's where we are. So I think that's our biggest challenge with birth right now is believing that it is a beautiful magical tough life-changing experience yeah absolutely absolutely and taking that experience and using it for the rest of your life like you were saying trust think of you know even if you wanted to have a baby in a hospital but trusted that you were going to have your baby in the hospital That's your intention is to trust. Think of how you can use and fall back on that experience later on in life when you have this teenager who's now grown up and um, you're going through a potentially rough time and you can recall back on how you trusted your birth and say, oh, yeah, I I survived that. I can survive this. You know, it's all about taking kind of these lessons, these experiences, and moving them forward to get us through um, potential tough times in the future, too. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a very mundane question, because we've talked a lot about the mental aspect of birth, right? Mm -hmm. Just in the physical aspect of birth, what were or were there um, any physical comfort measures that done by your your husband or by your doula or things that you were doing on your own what that were really helpful and comforting in terms of the physical sensations of birth so for me and it's different for every woman but for myself i really found comfort in squatting <laughs> i found that to be probably the most relaxing position and also on my hands and knees. So uh, like a tabletop a yoga position, that was also very, very comforting. I had quite a bit of back labor probably for about almost half the time. So a good solid 12 hours. My husband and my doula um, took turns massaging my back. That alone was priceless because it helps so, so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done without them. 
so squatting and uh, tabletop position were my two favorite. I couldn't be on my back. That was um, not fun at all for me. Maybe because that the only times I was on my back was when uh, my midwife was checking me. And that it was just, it was horrible. So that's probably another good reason why I didn't want to get checked either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, massaging as well. That was, uh, that was key. And I didn't have... I did go on the toilet a few times too, and that was okay. But I, I gave myself options. Like we had a birthing pool and I had um, a, a big exercise ball that I sat on. I, I tried to have as many options available to me as possible just because I didn't really know what I was going to want in any given moment. And I wanted to have things to experiment with. Mm-hmm. But uh, squatting was definitely definitely helpful for me that's so funny that i mentioned earlier the whole thing about the squatting yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) did you give birth in the pool or no because you were upstairs when you ran up and then things happened you know it's funny the birthing pool was upstairs so yeah and so i was actually downstairs um uh on the on we have a a bathroom downstairs and i was just sitting on the toilet just um birthing down well having a few surges and contractions down there on the toilet. And, and, uh, I shot up the stairs. And by the time I got upstairs, I decided to get into the pool and I actually gave birth to our son in the pool. And it wasn't necessarily something that I had to do. I just, I thought, Oh, let's try it. And so I tried it. I got in the water and out he came. Mm, Did the water help? Um, Hard to tell. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at that point, I just, I wasn't even, I didn't even know there was water in there, to be honest. Like, Uh so, Uh, so I can't say if it helped or if it didn't help. (laughs) You were beautifully in labor land. I was very, very much so. Yes. Yeah. At that point, uh, that is when I needed my doula to really remind me of who I was and what I was capable of doing. Um, so she was fantastic because automatically I wanted to um, scream high pitched. Uh-huh. And as I'm sure you know, she reminded me to, you know, of what I was doing and that I, uh, this is my body it was designed for this and grounded me. And so she said, now grunt instead. And that made such a difference. So I just moved that energy down towards my baby rather than up. And, um, oh, wow. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have her. Like I wouldn't have remembered that, or I wouldn't have had the confidence to go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Growl and make those deep noises. Yeah. 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 And I just, I get excited just thinking about it. Cause I just remember in that moment, it's so, it's so primitive that, that experience and, um, Oh, it's just amazing. It, it's absolutely amazing. Yay. Well, mm. I'm so happy for you that you had a lovely birth and happy birthing day coming up to you. Yeah. <laughs> three, three years for your boy, be boy. Yay. Yes. Yay. Is there anything last words of parting that you'd like to leave uh, for the listeners? Oh, gosh. You know, I just, uh, my deepest hope is and wishes is, is for women to just trust trust their bodies and trust their babies. You know, we're designed to do this and uh, 
we can do this. So just kind of get conscious of what you want and trust, 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 trust. Make sure you have a good support team, though, that is going to remind you of all of that. Because if, if the support isn't there, it's going to be really easy to fall back into what the greater culture um, has conditioned us to believe to be true, which is, you know, to be scared of, of birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So get a good support team around you. And if you if you need me to support you, I will support you. Email me and I will be I'll be your biggest fan and supporter if you need to. There but you just go. get a good support system around to uh, to remind you. Fantastic. Thank you so so much for sharing your birth you. story and I'm so glad it was wonderful. Yay. Yes, yes. And my hope is that um there's more wonderful stories out there and I know that it's possible. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. And if you're pregnant, don't forget to go grab my Birth Partners Labor Support Toolkit at birthful.com slash toolkit. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another Mighty Mama about her birth story or stories here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.